World View Update, bringing you closer to international or global news. 21 minutes after 6 o'clock, you're listening to SFM Sunrise. Out in the European Union, its foreign ministers have convened in Kiev out in Ukraine for the first time outside of the bloc. Of course, that's because uh, that Ukraine is not officially yet a member of the European Union. Despite that, some things that are happening around this meeting is that there's been an important election in Slovakia where a pro-Russian candidate had won the elections. Or while that is happening, the U.S. Congress has seemingly left out the Ukrainian war aid package from its government spending bill. But yet, at the same time, Joe Biden continues to echo uh, sentiments of support for Ukraine. Where will the aid package money then come from? Does he have executive powers to maneuver certain things around to make monies available elsewhere for this? And does this leave Ukraine concerned about its efforts and at least its resource capacity to fight the war in Ukraine? These are some of the questions that are importantly going to be, have to be answered at this foreign ministers meeting Cyan Day assistant professor of post-colonial literature and cultural studies alliance university out in Bangladesh joins us this morning Cyan good morning thank you so much for time really really do appreciate it do you anticipate that any sort of answers to these sets of questions will be reached uh, at this foreign ministers meeting of the EU uh, in in uh, taking place in Kiev yeah hello morning yeah thank you so much for this um, warm invitation what I would like to start with is initially uh, this whole perspective that it appears like a very decentralization process. Uh, what we see basically is where you know countries are moving out of the EU bloc and getting into a space that has been recently rampaged by uh, warfare. It appears to be a decentralization process, but the underlying intention is uh, highly questionable because there's being sort of preceded by someone who is pro-Russian. And so I am a bit skeptical about this because it can also be a form of eye-washing tactics to show that we are trying to transform the whole scenario. We are trying to decentralize uh, the situation, the socio-political scenario in Europe, but the underlying intentions can still be seen, which has actually been historically in that way across the world for quite some time now. It seems to me uh, this uh, the, the election in Slovakia that 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 is capturing the headline about this decentralization of European politics is a continuous shift to the right that has not been an unusual trend in the global north. Do you recognize this to be part of that or is it just an isolated case? Well, it is very much a part of that. I mean, it, it's very difficult to make a kind of isolation because the way we see the consistent shift, sometimes it's a pro-Russian, sometimes it's anti-Russian. The way we sh- uh, see the sort of role play, the shifts in the role play of the United States in extending its, uh, you know, its, uh, its sort of assistance to, to different countries across the world in terms of defense, in terms of health, and in terms of commerce. It is obviously a very much an extension of the right-wing, uh, right, right-wing political rule, which is becoming very problematic in the, in the global north, just as you rightly mentioned, it's always been there, and also becoming very much problematic in the, in the, in the global south as well. And, and this whole right-wing shift, we have to understand that it is like a sort of, it, it's actually very much, 
you know, it's simplistic in nature. It is always in a mode of transformation. It changes its attitudes, its identities, its modes of presentation, action in different ways. And at points of time, it's very difficult to catch the underlying intentions of the right-wing rule. Yeah, to this now, a 5 billion euro aid package is part of the conversation taking place at the foreign minister's meeting at the moment. And this aid package is to be put together by the member states of the EU. Does this seem like a a package that they can come together and reach consensus on? Or is it incredibly aspirational at this point? Well, actually, it is it is very much experimental um, at this point because the the question is when they put together eight billion package that you're talking about. The question is how do they channelize that? How do they regulate that? How do they implement that? I mean, it's not nothing again, not very very new to us, right? Like in the past, we have seen these declaration of packages and implementations and all of these initiatives that have taken us by surprise. Um, but when we come, when it comes to the question of implementation, often a lot, lot of these questions remain unanswered. But how these have been implemented, how they have been channelized, who were the beneficiaries of these packages? You know, all of these layered and sub-layered questions are often ignored in the process of these conversations. And so it is important to see how it gets sanctioned and also yeah. at the same time, if it gets channelized or not. And then just the last part of the conversation happening, and I've never ever seen this take place in international relations. Of course, when Russia was sanctioned, assets belonging to Russian oligarchs and the Russian government were seized around the world and unable to access that. There is now a conversation taking place about potentially using the seized assets and monies uh, of Russian oligarchs or the sanctioned seized monies belonging to Russians to fund the Ukrainian war, to at least to fund Ukraine, to help it buy arms and, uh, and, and, and at least have the longevity to, to wait Russia out in this matter. It would be completely unprecedented if this were to ever happen, if these monies were to be channeled uh, by Western powers towards uh, Ukraine. Um, is this likely to be a conversation that sustains? Yeah, see, um, the the point here is what is important for us to uh, look is that what where is exactly that money coming from? And as you rightly mentioned, that the the money is coming through a channel which is in itself very problematic, which is itself very conflictual and corrupted at the same time. I mean, obviously, in the past it has not happened, but if it is happening right now, we obviously. Uh, can't sit on presumptions. We have to wait for the for the outcome of these sanctions. But what is really making me afraid to think around this whole dimension is if it is not a trap, it is not a way of entrapping Ukraine in some other political, socio-political ways or the other. Maybe this sort of, if this sanction is made and if this acceptance from Ukraine's side is made, it might sort of give birth to other forms of socio-political cleavages that are already existent in Europe and widely across the global north. Yeah, we're going to have to leave you there. Thank you so much for your time this morning. I really, really do appreciate it. Sayan Day, Assistant Professor of Postcolonial Literature at the University of Bangladesh. Zai Khan standing by with your sports.